The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jim Shields, Jim Woods, uh, who is the editor-in-large of The Wealth Shield, uh, which is a book all about how to protect your money and grow it in today's turbulent economy. Welcome to the show, Jim. Well, thank you very much, Jordan. It's a pleasure uh, speaking with you. And, and actually, I do feel like my last name has been Shield lately because uh, <laughs> we've been talking about The Wealth Shield, our new, our new Kindle book, quite a bit. So uh, I'll answer to, to anything that has to do with protecting people's money. <laughs> Let's start with a little bit of your background and, and uh, your uh, history as a journalist leading up to the writing of The Wealth Shield. Okay, well, I, um, I began in the early 90s working for Investors Business Daily, uh, and it's a fantastic big business publication that I, I recommend to everyone. Uh, and that's how I kind of cut my teeth on the, on the financial journalism scene. Uh, I got a lot of uh, great knowledge there and spent about seven years there. And, uh, it was a, it was kind of opened my eyes to all the, all the different terms, all the different ideas and all the different investing styles that people employ, personal finance, things like that. Uh, and then I later went into managing money and working at Morgan Stanley and working at a hedge fund. Uh, but my real love is, is writing. And, uh, when the whole online, um, journalism thing came out in late nineties, early two thousands, that's when I, Decided to go back into it and uh, and work for uh, different websites, and I've been doing that basically ever since. So, what are some of the websites you've done, uh, written for? I've worked. I currently work for um, several. I, I'm basically a freelance contributor, but I am the uh, editor at Traders Reserve, and another site called Main Street Investor. I've written for Market Watch, for um, InvestorPlace.com, uh, TheStreet.com. So, uh, but just about everywhere, actually. Very good. All right. Well, let's kind of start start a little bit about why you wanted to create this ebook, uh, the Wealth Shield. Before we get to the content, what what did you see was the need for it compared to all the other information that's already out there? Okay. Well, when we decided to create uh, our book called the Wealth Shield, which is uh, you can get at Amazon.com. Basically, we saw that most people are woefully unprepared to survive another big stock market shock either whether it be a collapse, a financial crisis, anything akin to what happened 2008-2009, or even much gentler than that, say a sharp pullback from the current levels, either in stocks or bonds. And the main reason why most people don't aren't prepared to deal with that is because they're doing the same basic diversification scheme that their brokers have been telling them to do, you know, Invest more in bonds as you get older, invest less in stocks, take less risks. If you're younger, invest more in stocks, take less risks in bonds. And, and that kind of tried and true uh, system has been successful for 
off and on for, for most of the time, except when you have situations like 2008 or when you have a, a busted tech bubble. So we decided to that there was a big need for, especially at, at post-Great Recession, for something that would protect people in a more sophisticated way and also in an easier way. And we, so we created this, this concept of the Well Shield that is kind of diversification on steroids, if you will, or diversification 2.0, sometimes we call it, because we realized that the biggest threats out there to your money are still existing. They're not, it's not like 2008 happened and we, we dealt with it and it's never going to happen again. There's always going to be threats out there to your money, and there's myriad threats. So if you're diversified well enough to handle those threats, then that is how you're going to prevail when the next big unforeseen thing happens when everybody's running for the exits and when everybody loses money like they did in 2008, 2009. Before we go forward, let's just briefly take a look back at what did happen at the last financial crisis. Uh, What is your sense of, of the cause of it? Why was it such a surprise to people? And how were they caught uh, unawares uh, of, of such a major change going on at that time? Well, I think everybody realized that, uh, that there was a housing bubble. I don't think too many people thought that the housing market would continue going the way it did for so long. But it was in everybody's best interest financially to just keep pumping the bubble up uh, and keep pushing the envelope when it came to uh, getting more money, getting more people to, to loaning more money for cheap, having interest rates were cheap, getting uh, people to participate in, they called it the ownership society. And so you would have people getting all kinds of loans, free money, basically, ninja loans, all these different exotic loans for someone with no income, no job. And they just figured they'd flip the property or they would be able to refinance or the housing market would go on forever. So they just decided to continue doing it. And, and to some extent, I, I actually think it was a smart move, especially if you're someone who would never be able to afford a house otherwise. You might as well take advantage of what was going on. Now, of course, there's a lot of government underpinning, which is at the root of this entire problem, actually. There was government push to, for, for uh, banks to lend to people who had less than stellar credit or that were less than qualified. And that was the, the kind of the, the backstop that pushed banks to keep lending. And then, of course, banks are always out to make more money, and uh, that's what they do. And that, that's what <laughs> you can't expect a banker not to try to, to monetize the situation. So they created all the exotics. They created all the different uh, these, these collateralized debt obligations and you know these credit default swaps and things like that. And then they took on way too much leverage than they had. They, and that's, what, that's the main thing that hit everybody. No one knew that the banks were doing all this crazy exotic stuff, except for a few people in those banks. And then when the, the bottom fell out of the housing market, so to speak, and people realized it was just a, a shill, that's when everything came down. And, and we saw what happened after that uh, with markets collapsing and... If, depending on who you listen to, uh, the near ruin of the global economy was just within days. I, I don't know if I buy that, but um, but certainly there was a lot of fiscal hardship, and no one ever thought they'd see what we what we did see. 
Did, did you uh, see it coming at the time before it came apart? Did you think things would get as bad as they did? I don't think anybody did. I really don't. I, even though uh, I knew that I knew back then that people were going to get hurt when the market when the housing market came down. I think everybody realized that there was just incredibly high levels of. Uh, of bubble explosion and people buying things that were well overpriced. I mean, there was homes that had previously sold for two hundred thousand that were now selling for eight hundred thousand. He knew that that couldn't last, but I don't think anybody had the uh, the, the notion that the housing market and the, the banks were so interconnected that they needed a huge bailout to just continue to have their doors open. And that was the problem, and no, and and that's the that is the problem with these kind of market collapses, these these shocks out of nowhere, so to speak. You don't really know when they're going to happen, and you it's too when if you're not prepared for them beforehand, it's too late after they happen. If you yeah. had financial stocks in your portfolio, which a lot of income and retirement investors did back then, they just got crushed. I mean, can you imagine holding B of A back then? It was and just watching it ride down to <laughs> to single digits. It's that that's the kind of thing that you cannot plan for, but that does happen, and that's the kind of thing. That's one of the reasons we created the Wall Shield because we don't want people to get caught up in that. There's there and and the the more government involvement, the more distortions in the marketplace, the more something like that is likely to happen. And this time it could be even bigger. So you have a series of what you call the money threats. Uh, so before we get to what the wealth shield is, let's see what people need to protect themselves against. And I guess one of your first money threats is what the Federal Reserve is doing. What is the threat of the Federal Reserve's quantitative easing program? Well, the biggest threat, I think, is no one, know, no one knows how it's going to come out. We don't know if it's going to if, if the creation of all of this uh, fiat currency and this bond buying scheme. We don't really know what the end game is, even though the Fed thinks they can manage the the game safely and let the air out of the uh, monetary bubble slowly, and and maybe they can. Uh, you know, they've never been able to in the past, but maybe maybe they'll get it right this time. But what if they don't? And that's the biggest problem. This, and then of course there's the zero interest rate policy that's robbing savers of any kind of safe return. And that, of course, forces them to get into more risky assets, which is why you've seen things like high-yield bonds, junk bonds, um, different high-yield sectors of the of the market just surge in price because people are putting money in there to, in, a, in an effort to get some kind of decent return. You're also seeing that in stocks uh, where money is flowing into that those sectors. So the money that that should be flowing into regular income assets really really isn't because you're not getting any kind of return on them. So tell and me what what is the actual threat with having all this money going into high yield sectors? Well, the, the main there, money at zero. The, 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 well, there's two threats. The the first threat to those assets particularly would be of course the bubble that those assets are are becoming distorted beyond uh, all re all reality, and then that if you're holding those, that at one point there's going to be a big collapse in the double. Like let's say, wait, well, we actually saw a little bit of that happening last week when the when the first kind of talk of tapering the uh, QE happened last week. We saw a big spike in yields 
the first time we've seen a big spike like that in, in quite a long time. It was like a 7% spike in a 10-year bond. Now, that is the kind of thing that I think would be even exacerbated if the Fed, once the Fed actually does start to cut back on these things. Now, like I said, maybe they'll man- be able to manage it a little bit carefully. But the fact if you're holding bonds right now, and that, that's the big problem. Your bond money could just go down, and a lot of people are holding bonds right now. So that's one of the main threats right there. The other threat, of course, is just volatility in the market. You might, uh, you might own stocks now, you might own bonds now, but what happens when the Fed leaves a punch bowl and all of a sudden your money is worth less? So far, it's been okay. So far, Wall Street likes easy money, Wall Street's buying easy money. But then, then of course, there's the entire concept of what the long-term effect of all this money into the system is going to be. Is it going to be inflation? And is it going to be hyperinflation? That's a, that's a scenario that has happened in the past and very well could happen again. Maybe you, not do you think that's the happened. likely scenario? The, the, a hyperinflation scenario. That's what you think is most likely? Well, you know, the thing is, we don't know what is going to happen. I, I suspect that that could happen. But so far, we haven't seen any real signs of it as measured by the CPI or the official kind of thing. Now, there's a lot of unofficial ways to measure that. I mean, the real estate market has, has come back about 10%, especially here where in California where I am. That's an inflation level that I think is a little bit uh, distorted because it's not based on a strong demand for housing from the average buyer. It's based on demand for people who want to, who are there, for investors and people who want to flip properties. We just, there was just an article here in, in the Wall Street Journal about uh, California flippers and how they're coming back into the game. And, and there's people around where I am that are looking for properties to, you know, to try to buy and sell like they did five years ago. And that kind of worries me a bit because it's not that, like an organic growth in housing demand from uh, from new buyers or from sustainable buyers. That's, that's, really a, that's the kind of thing that we're seeing right now, and, and that could play out in the inflation scenario as well. Although we just don't know. We don't know if the – we know one thing. If this thing's never been tried before, this unprecedented money printing on, on the level that we've had here, and not just here in this country, in Japan – and in Europe, everybody seems to be wanting to try the Keynesian thing and reflate their way out of uh, out of economic stagnation. I don't see it turning out great, but you have to be prepared for that. That's that, that's the whole point of it. It, it. it could be it could be something good, but most likely it won't be. And until we until you're prepared for the the, the scenario where it won't be, you're not prepared to protect your money. Okay, very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this week is Jim Woods. He's the editor-at-large of TheWealthShield.com, and he's got a book out uh, called The Wealth Shield, How to Invest and Protect Your Money from Another Stock Market Crash, Financial Crisis, or Global Economic Collapse. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jim Woods, editor-in-large of TheWealthShield.com. Uh, he has a new ebook out called uh, The Wealth Shield, How to Invest and Protect Your Money from Another Stock Market Crash, Financial Crisis, or Global Economic Collapse. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Well, thank you, Jordan. Tell people what they can find out at your website and uh, getting the book and the newsletter you have coming and so on. Sure. Uh, well, the, uh, the main hub for every resource is thewealthshield.com, and in, on the site we have a lot of informational articles on uh, on things that we perceive as threats to uh, to our money and uh, ways that we can protect ourselves from that. And then the whole concept, of, of course, of the Wealth Shield book is uh, is an overview of how we do such a thing. And then uh, in about I would say early July. We have a, uh, a newsletter coming out that's going to uh, help investors actually select the stocks, select the uh, the different investments that uh, we talk about, and it's going to help them put it all together, so to speak. And that'll that'll be coming out. Uh, we're we're shooting for July, so very good. All right, so you have six uh, wealth shields, uh, your six step plan. Um, before we get into the individual ones, kind of what difference will it make? If you have all six of these working for you at once, compared to where a lot of people have it, is only in stocks or just all in cash or all in one investment or another. Right, but that's that's a question that we get frequently, and it's a, it's an excellent one. And what you want, what what we tell people is, the more diversified you are, the more protected you are. Now, you may give up a slight amount of upside in any one particular sector because you have a, uh, 
an asset allocation to that sector of maybe 20 to 30 percent or maybe even 10 percent. But when one of these assets goes down, the other one tends to go back up. So you're, you're basically balancing out your holdings so that you can grow and also survive any major kind of threat that happens. And it doesn't, you, you don't have to, uh, you don't, you have to be prepared for these major threats, but it's not all about that. I mean, when you're with the, with our diversification plan, you are, are in the game when, and participating in these rallies. I think that's one of the biggest, uh, things, uh, that people have a problem with at the moment is they're not invested in stocks. They're not invested in bonds and they're just sitting there with cash. They're paralyzed with a lot of fear because they're, worried about another market crash, but one of the worst things you can do is not put your money to work for you, because then you're just succumbing to the fact that you're afraid and that you're not putting your money to work. I mean, there's always money to be made, but you want to put your money out out there uh, safely, and you also want to take as little risk, and one way to do that is through uh, a hyper version of a diversification. All right, so let's go through the six different uh, money shields, and what is your first money shield? Okay, well, actually, we call them money blocks, but I like money Money shields, too. Okay. (laughs) Um, The first money block is precious metals. Now, this is the safe haven asset that uh, we've all heard about years and years, and uh, we do favor owning commodities like gold, silver, uh, physical commodities, as well as exchange-traded funds or even mutual funds, although those are uh, the fees on those are not something we re- re- recommend. But uh, it's the, it's this is the this is the traditional kind of safe haven hedge that you want. And of course, we saw how gold and silver shot up big during the uh, the crisis. Of course, it's come back down substantially in the last six eight months. Uh, People are selling gold in favor of stocks and, and high yield, which is understandable. I mean, the, the the precious metals market has fallen off. Although I think it's approaching an area where if you can get into this to uh, uh, to these fields now, you're going to be well compensated, you know, as a long term hold. But you're not trying to own precious metals for for the big huge home run. What you're you're owning that as a safety play and especially if some things really get bad you'll want to have those things like gold coins and silver coins in your portfolio and and, i mean in the case you can't actually get to your money in a banking collapse or some sort something crazy like that so in the meantime you have that in your portfolio and this is should be roughly 20 percent of your total uh, so so do you recommend ways of doing that where you can get income from them or i mean like a gold mining share you get some dividends Yes, yeah, so physical no, gold. Are, you're not going to yeah, get the exactly. No, that's a great point. The um, uh, gold mining stocks uh, tend to do very well when gold is in a bull market. Now, they also tend to be very volatile and tend to tend to, to knock you down a lot in terms of your principal. Uh, but you're right; they do pay dividends. Some of the bigger ones, like a Freeport, uh, MacMoran, those kind of those kind of companies are great ways to uh, to get a little bit of yield and also to be exposed to the precious metals market. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to put all of my precious metal exposure into mining, mining stocks, but uh, you certainly can, can have a little bit of exposure there, and I think that would be a very 
very wise thing to do. So let's take a scenario that your gold and silver would do very well. Right now, inflation seems to be under control. Stock markets are doing well, so people are taking money out of the. Under what circumstances would gold and silver, both physical and the mining shares, do well? Right. Well, the there's two different scenarios that you'd see uh, metals do well. The first is a metal like silver, let's say, that has a, a lot more um, industrial application, or or copper, as not so much gold is primarily just a, uh, a safe haven type thing. You would see. Those metals, the silver, the gold, or the copper, you would see these things go up in a uh, in a improved economy. Say say everything starts to do well, and we we get a rebound in the uh, in global demand from places like China and and South America, places like that. You start getting global growth again. You're going to see a demand for the things like, especially copper. Actually, that's that's the kind of uh, metal that uh, is it, it, we always say when, on the trading floor that uh, copper has got the PhD in uh, in economics because when you see copper rising, then you know that industrial demand for copper and for for all across the board is going to is going to do well. So that's one scenario where you'd see it. Of course, the other scenario you would see is a is a heavy and in, high inflationary uh, situation where. The dollar, this whole race to debase all the currencies around the globe results in just what they want, sinking of like an asset like the U.S. dollar. And that would make hard assets worth quite a bit more uh, on a, just on a, a relative basis. So you would have more dollars, take more dollars to get the same amount of ounces of gold or ounces of silver. And that's the other scenario. So if you, whether, if you think there's going to be global growth, it's good to own precious metals. If you think it's going, to, there's going to be inflation. It's good to own precious metals. I, I think one of those two things is going, to, is going to be true at any given time. So they kind of correlate to each other. So that's, so let's that's take, the two scenarios. Let's take the worst case scenario, kind of a depreciation of the dollar, even social unrest, and so on. You've got your gold coins buried in your backyard or in your safe deposit box. Are you supposed to go down to the supermarket and? pay them with gold coins i never kind of understood how you're actually supposed to use this in the case of a catastrophe well that's that you know that that would be the um the kind of uh scenario that you would actually see now i doubt that's going to actually take place but it could because if you did get a serious collapse in the dollar such as we as such as they saw in germany during the weimar republic your, the, the actual currency wouldn't be worth anything neither would the currency in your bank account you would have you might have a ten thousand uh, dollar uh, bank account on in, in your uh, in your ATM account or in your on your online account, but what if it costs a thousand dollars to go to the grocery store? Then you actually don't really have much buying power. So the actual gold would be the the real purchasing power, and if it, of course it would require that people recognize this universally. But if things got bad enough, you would have certain people recognizing that there's a real hard asset that's actually worth something that they can't just create more of, you know, pell-mell. I mean, the, the, the thing, the whole reason why people used gold and silver as, as money in the, you know, in the first place is because it was something that couldn't be counterfeited, couldn't be duplicated the way a piece of paper could or the way a piece of wood could or something like that. So you knew if you had it, you had something of real value. Well, that's been obliterated since we 
went off the gold standard in the 70s. And it's been, you've, you've seen, if you look at a chart, long-term chart of the dollar, you see how the dollar has fallen precipitously versus real assets over the years. And, you know, I don't really suspect, I'm not a, a doom and gloom type of person where we think there's going to be, you know, some kind of social unrest to the level of people having to barter for coins. But could it happen? It definitely could happen. It's happened before, and it, and it and very well could happen again. And that, as scary as that might be, it is something that uh, that uh, a wise individual would be uh, would be smart to. Uh, to In a case that like again. that, how high could gold and silver go from their current levels? Geez, that's uh, it's almost unknown at this point. Um, could you see a thousand percent climb in gold? I think you could. Now, is it likely that you'd see that kind of uh, spike? I, I doubt it. But you would see, you, I mean, let's put it this way. If we, had, if we started seeing big-time inflation because people had realized that there was so much currency out there that it was soaking up, it was causing prices to rise precipitously, you would see a big spike in precious metals again, much more than you saw in the last run higher in precious metals. And you'd see a race to buy those hard assets and that could be a hundred, two hundred percent kind of increase from current levels easily. And how do you allocate between liquid kinds of things like exchange traded funds and physical gold coins and, and bars? Well, that all depends um, kind of on your individual uh, notions about these these things. Um, I would say that you would, let's say you have twenty percent of your overall portfolio in precious metals. I think uh, I think you want to have five percent or so in like the hard assets and the rest could be spread out through uh different various etfs and, and other ways of holding gold but some people may think that that's uh too too little physical gold and they want may want to feel comfortable with more i mean to that when you fine-tune it like that we could we could kind of have a general recommendation but it's somewhat up to the um to the person that's uh, making the actual purchases to, to decide how they'd like to do it. Um, I mean, we've we've said different ways. Uh, we've said 50% gold in the book. We say 50 to 75% in, in uh, gold or or, or gold uh, bars, but it, it really depends upon a person's kind of general comfort level when it comes to that. I I certainly feel comfortable being in this industry. I so I, I feel more comfortable holding ETFs just because of their liquidity, but. I've never had a scenario where I couldn't sell something because a bank was closed or because my brokerage went under or something. You're, you're not concerned about – there are rumors out there that the ETFs would not be able to uh, deliver an effect. That they would, yeah, well that's, well, that's the thing. That's, that's one reason why – I'm glad you brought that up because that is one – I have heard that. And it's – while it's not a, a immediate concern to me uh, – Certainly, if things got uh, started to look really ugly out there, I would want to own more gold coins than I would GLD, the uh, you know the gold ETF. Uh, even though go one thing that's interesting about GLD is they actually do buy the physical metal and store it in a it's actually stored in a vault in New York City. But yeah. you know, if there's a big run on that. They have to sell it all out, and I mean, how is that going to happen? I mean, it's, it's it's actually quite amazing how they how they 
make sure that the, the there's enough stores to to deal with all the claims out there, considering how much there is. But uh, I certainly would rather have the gold in my possession if something got really dastardly out there. And uh, so that's the thing. You don't. The, it goes back to this whole concept of the well shield. You want to make sure you're diversified enough to have that protection, and that's one way to do it, having some physical metals as well as having some ETFs in your portfolio is a good way to do both. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jim Woods, uh, editor-at-large at thewealthshield.com. Uh, his new ebook is called The Wealth Shield, How to Invest and Protect Your Money from Another Stock Market Crash, Financial Crisis, or Global Economic Collapse. We'll be back after this. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jim Woods, editor-in-large at TheWealthShield.com. He's come out with a new book uh, called The Wealth Shield. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Thank you, Jordan. So we're going through the different money blocks. What is your money block number two after okay. number one was gold and precious metals? This is the one that uh, most people will be familiar with. It's uh, what we call global dominator stocks. And here we're talking about the, uh, the big cap stocks and the stocks that dominate their specific market sector. Uh, we're talking about stocks like uh, Amazon. I love Amazon. Uh, IBM. Caterpillar, McDonald's, because no matter what happens in the global economy and whatever, whatever's going to go down, 
people are still going to want to have a Big Mac and fries. They're still going to want to buy products from Amazon. Uh, they're still going to need computing. I mean, this is these are the kind of companies that are doing it right, making big profits. Everyone knows who they are. These are the, the, the kind of companies that are going to do well in good times and they're going to survive, so to speak, and, and do uh, better than the other stocks during a, a, an equity downturn. So there's a lot of companies that would fit that criteria. How many should you have and what portion of the whole portfolio should be the money dom- the world-dominating stocks? I like to have about 30% of the portfolio in, in, the, in the global dominators. Uh, and then you're right, there, is, there are a lot of companies that would fit that. Uh, in the book, we go through a lot of different criteria for what we like. Um, you know, companies that are, of course, have been around for a while, at least 10 years, preferably 30 years. Uh, companies that are have a niche leadership in their segment. Amazon's a particularly good example of that. And um, they created a whole niche segment, uh, and they still dominate the uh, the online space, um, the online retail space. That is. Uh, then, of course, the brand name should be recognized by everybody. Who should know what it is. Everyone knows what McDonald's is. Everyone knows what Caterpillar is. Everyone knows what John Deere is. That these are the these are the companies that that you know what they are just by. The fact that you're a human being, almost you can't get old, can't get around them. But then, of course, they have to have good, solid metrics like profit margins, sales increasing. Uh, they have to have a good long-term, you know, CEO that's been around, that's been proven to to be able to uh, deliver. Uh, they have to have good price to cash flow ratio, some of the other ratios, relative strength, uh, and then they have to have you know strong market value, PE, that kind of thing. So uh, we're talking about the best of the best, and there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of them out there, but uh, if you have about 30% of your total portfolio in those stocks, you're going to be able to participate in the upside that, that, uh, that it, no matter what happens, and you're going to be protected on the downside, generally speaking. And then are there some mutual funds that would be buying mostly world dominators that you would like? As a way well, of- well there's, there's a lot of – there, there are several good exchange-traded funds for this, like the for example, the um, you know like the Qs or something, the uh, the spider QQQ. Although I on, in this we would prefer to stick with more. This money block sticks with more of the actual companies themselves, because because it's only thirty percent of your portfolio. Y- you have diversification if you do an ETF or if you do a mutual fund. But I, we actually like the actual stocks to you know to own those actual stocks, because then you know exactly what you own. As opposed to sometimes mutual funds, people. You know, don't, they're not really that they're, – they're diversified enough so that you don't participate in the upside of the, of the biggest winners. All right. And then so that, that's number two. We have gold and precious metals, number one. World dominant is number two. What is your money block, number three? That's something we call cash cows. Now, these are high-yield stocks. They could be uh, big stocks like, um, you know, your Procter & Gamble, your Johnson & Johnson – Companies that are generally speaking, uh, although they haven't been lately, lately they've been actually trading like tech stocks. But these are the slow, steady kind of companies that sell products that everyone's going to need, no matter if there's a, another huge recession. Everyone's going to need toothpaste, soap, shampoo, you know, the, the, and then not just everyone here, everyone around the world is going to need these things. So as long as there's some kind of economy that's still around, you're going to be able to buy these things, and these companies are still going to pay a dividend. And here, here we're looking for companies that uh, that pay that dividend, that have paid it consistently over the years. And I'm talking about 30, 40, 50 years even. 
Uh, and so companies that will continue to throw off that cash, it may not be like the highest yield you can you could ever imagine. It might be not something like a junk bond kind of yield or anything like that. But although there are some companies like uh, some of these um, uh, different MLPs and REITs and things like that that do offer like 5 6% uh, yield, I, we prefer if you want to be safe and you want to be exposed to the market and get the upside of what we call the cash cows and also the yield, you'll want to stick to the big the big. Uh, Consumer what would be a, a minimum yield that you would expect for a cash cow? I would want about 3%. I think that's doable, um, uh, a consistent 3%, especially in this low-yield environment. That's going to beat just about anything out there in terms of, like, uh, uh, a company. You know, there's some that are 4%. Uh, of course, the, the, the one reason why the yield is lower now is because the stock prices have gone up so much in these stocks. And, uh, and that's a good thing, of course, too. But when the stock prices do come down a little bit, they're going to end up be paying more of a yield. So even though you might have less of a principal, you also start continue to get that yield from from cash cows when when they start to pull back. So if they start to pull back, you had one particular example in your book. It's actually a fertilizer company. Yeah, Terra, yeah exactly. Tell no, us about that one. Yeah, Terra Nitrogen is this is um, a company that makes. Uh, uh, phosphate fertilizer, and it's a play that uh, I think that at one point the yield was about six percent. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is at the moment, but um, it, it's not far off of that. Um, and yeah, th- this is a company that sells. This is a good example of a company that sells things that everyone needs because they don't do it directly. No one's going to buy. No one except for um, uh, for companies out there that need fertilizer are going to buy this. But the fertilizer is the thing that grows all the food that we all need every day. So this is like a kind of an underbelly stock that pays, actually actually pays a huge, huge yield. Um, as of, uh, I think last month it was a 9% yield. So this is a, this is the kind of thing that you, that you're looking for to generate some big capital. And it's also a, a company that, uh, that's, that buy, that sells something that the world needs. Okay, so that's number three. Uh, tell us what money block number four is. Okay, uh, money not money. Excuse me, money block number four uh, is something we call lockbox IOUs. And now these are your top level, uh, highest rated corporate bonds, not treasury bonds, but corporate bonds. So we're talking about bonds from companies like the J and J's, the Caterpillars, the Wells Fargo's. The um, uh, the General Electrics. These these are the companies that you almost for sure going to see them pay out their bondholders solid returns, uh, returns that yields that that are going to give you income and are going to keep you uh, getting money into your portfolio even if something happens. I mean, it's, they're almost they're safer than the stocks in, the, in that sense because, as you know, the uh, Bondholders have a, a claim over the uh, and a company's assets before any stockholder does. So you're talking about um, these are like the we call them dominator style companies, but the ones that issue debt, and that's what you want to have as a as another way to uh, to shield. What, what kind of yields would those kind of high quality bonds pay today? You know those those pay they vary of course. 
we're talking about four to six percent sometimes. Um, that one of the one of the ways to do that, and it's actually the easiest way, and it's the way we recommend. Um, we like an ETF uh, called the um, iShares uh, iBox Investment Grade Corp bond. It's uh, the ticker symbol is LQD. That pays about a four percent, I think three point eight percent yield, something like that. At last, uh, at last count, and I really like this one because it's it has a basket of some of the best corporate bonds out there, the highest rated, uh, and then we're talking about some of the companies in, that, that were af- aforementioned, like the, gen- the General Electric bonds. Uh, it holds Wells Fargo, Mer- uh, you know, some Merrill issued bonds, uh, Goldman Sachs bonds, uh, Citigroup. Wachovia, HSBC, those kind of bonds. That, you know, some of these bonds are paying like six percent, eight percent. But it's you have to have a pretty, pretty uh, good sized net worth to actually buy those individual bonds. So, and it's a lot, a little bit easier to do so through a, an, an ETF like LQD. So, I, I personally like that um, that bond fund quite a bit, and the risk is uh, is spread out over I think you know several you know like. 20 holdings, something like that, 50 holdings at, the, at any given time. I'm not yeah. exactly sure how many they have. I think they have about 50 holdings. But the um, the point is you want to own these companies that are throwing off cash to their bondholders, and you're giving you a steady 4 or 5% kind of yield. And that's another way to, to maintain your, uh, your uh, income while also having the uh, the protection that, that uh, the debt – uh, securities to offer investors. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman with the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jim Woods, uh, editor in large at The Wealth Shield. You can find more about his new ebook at thewealthshield.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jim Woods, 
uh, the editor-at-large at thewealthshield.com. Uh, he has a new book out called The Wealth Shield, How to Invest and Protect Your Money from Another Stock Market Crash, Financial Crisis, or Global Economic Collapse. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Thank you, Jordan. And you have two more of your so-called money blocks. What is money block number five? Okay, money block number five is something we call global cash. Now, this is um, something that may, many U.S. investors might not know about or might have not participated in. But what it is is we, it's basically like a cash holding only in foreign currencies. So you want to have your money, let's say, in an, in an Aussie dollar-denominated CD or a Norwegian krona uh, or Canadian dollar uh, CD or some kind of, some kind of non-U.S. correlated asset. There's a couple reasons for that. One, it offers you uh, global cash wherever you may be in the world, and you're not relying. If there's some kind of a banking crisis in the U.S. or if there's some kind of currency crisis with the dollar, you're not completely exposed. You have a little bit of stash out there um, uh, in currencies that are considered safe. Now, that's a relative term, of course, but you want com- you want these these kind of safe haven currencies like the Swiss franc, the Norwegian crown, Australian dollar, things like that. Things that are actually trading on a, a you know at on a level greater. How does the average right person now. do that? How does the average person buy? Well, that's the good. The good thing about it is with with uh, the internet, it's you. It's easy to open. There's there's several different companies that'll do that for you. Um, we uh, we plan to talk about those in, in upcoming uh, newsletters, but there um, there there's ways to do it, and there's no. It's totally legal. There's no kind of you know um, issue. You're not hiding from the IRS or anything like that. It's nothing. Nothing, uh, and I guess we get, we we know that we most of us can't hide from the IRS anymore. But anyway, but um, the um, there's no like there's no mystery about it or anything like that. So you can do it, but most people don't do it because they just really don't really know about it, or they may feel uncomfortable buying some other kind of dollar, something other than a non-dollar denominated uh, currency. But you can do it online. You can do it at several different banks and things like that. Um, so the idea is to protect yourself against the falling value of the U.S. dollar. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, the idea is that exactly. That's exactly right. But it's also the the other idea about it is too is you want it's a way. It's kind of akin to having the gold coins in your backyard if you if you ever need them. Having the global cash where you need it is something that gives you that little extra bit of protection when, if and when the U.S. currency has an issue. And we're talking here about 10% of your your total asset, so it's more of a it's more of a safety valve kind of play. But at the same time, you are getting some upside if the dollar goes down versus the the currencies that you own. Um, so it, it's just a it's a different way of kind of it's it, this is a this is the hyper steroid version of diversity diversification because not only you're diversifying through different asset classes, but you're also diversifying through different countries and different currencies. So you're not just exposed to the one currency that we all know and love, but that can at some day become like the currency that you don't want to have. All right. And what is uh, money block number six, your final money, money block? Yeah, the final money block is what we call money hedge. Now, these are uh, – I think more investors are uh, are familiar with these type of things because these are the things like the inverse exchange-traded funds – Things that go down when the when the general market go up. So, for example, 
if you if the market starts to come back down and starts to come back down hard, you want to have a little bit of a hedge position in your portfolio. And there's a lot of different exchange traded funds that allow you to do that. There's um, one of the ones I like is uh, is a fund called um, Dog. The ticker symbol is D O G or Dog. I just call it Dog because <laughs> when the market's dogging it, you want to own this. It's a it's like a actually a leverage short play on the Dow. So if the Dow went down one day five percent, and you had this in your portfolio, you'd be a, you'd be get, looking at about a ten percent gain. And I think so we can you, all. You, you recommend scenario. the leverage ones that are more than one times, like two and three yeah, times. Yeah, there's the the ones. Well, actually, the D O G is the is the one time. Uh, the the symbol for the other one is D X D, which is the the leverage one. Um, but you want you want to have like these kind of things. The 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 lever the the single beta one they call it, or the non leverage one, works. It's designed to it holds different uh, financial instruments, futures, things like that. That uh, that kind of peg it to the same inverse performance. So if the Dow's up 2%, or if the Dow's down 2%, then the DOG would be up 2%. But then there's the leverage version of it. When things get really bad and you start think, you see things starting to, to roll over fast, you want to own some of these uh, some of these funds that move twice the inverse. So you'll be when everybody is worried about their 5% loss on the Dow, you'll be collecting 10%. Now, you only have about 10% of your overall portfolio in these money hedges. So the point is, you're going to have stocks in your portfolio. At the same time, you might have these money hedges. So when stocks go down, you're going to lose some money on those stocks that you own, like the global dominators, let's say. But you're going to make up for that in the money hedge gains that you make. So it's a way, again, of balancing your portfolio out. And then there's not just the inverse funds in the, in the money hedge. There's also things like uh, commodity funds, uh, funds that will go up or that could go up no matter what happens with the regular uh, equity market or the bond market. People are going to still need to buy food. They're still going to need agriculture. They're still going to need to buy crops. And if inflation gets bad, that's another way of, uh, of, of hedging the inflation risk because Things like agricultural commodities tend to do well when, when inflation's on the rise. So things like that, I mean, even things like, like oil and, and natural gas funds, things like that, things that where everybody needs but may, and may hold their value or may do well when the general market is falling, they, that's what we call the money hedge. Things that are not correlated to U.S. Dollar, U.S. stocks per se or that are inversely correlated. So you've got the six different money blocks. Just briefly to go over the game, we've got the precious metals, uh, the global dominating stocks, cash cows, high-yielding stocks, the what you call lockbox IOU, high-quality corporate bonds, uh, global cash, uh, CDs and so on, and foreign currencies, and the money hedge, the kind of inverse uh, investments and commodities. How much money do you need to put together this whole portfolio? I mean, are you talking about 100000 or I mean, what do you need to put this kind of thing together to be that diversified? I think it. Uh, I think that uh, you could use a round number of a hundred thousand, but it works. Really, it works for however much you have. Uh, I think it's the the investor most suited for something like this would be the investor who has accumulated some wealth over his his or her lifetime. At least a hundred thousand would be like my kind of recommendation as to you know suitability recommendation, as they say in the trade, but. Um, if you only had fifty thousand, you certainly could do many of the same steps to uh, to help diversify your holdings. Of course, if you have five million, you'll want to even be more diversified. And actually, the more money you have, the more diversified you want. 
because the last thing you want to do is lose that money. So if you had $10 million, this would certainly be a, a, a very good way of, uh, of making sure that you don't lose that $10 million. To sum up in about the last minute we have to go here, what difference in somebody's financial life would it make if they implement your wealth sealed strategy as opposed to what most part they're doing now? There's two things I think that uh, would generally be the uh, the biggest benefit. First of all, they would know that if the bond market collapsed or if the stock market collapsed, all of their money would not collapse, or at least they would have a very good shot of that. I mean, unless something you know, unless a nuclear winner comes and takes away everyone's existence, then you know, of course, we're all in trouble then. <laughs> but if you if a stock market meltdown or a bond market meltdown, you're very well protected. You're insulated from that. And the the fact that you're insulated will keep your keep and help preserve your wealth. And, of course, the biggest thing that uh, – the biggest life-changing thing or the biggest benefit, I believe, to to this portfolio or to the whole concept of the, money, of the wealth shield and, and how to approach things is you're in control of your money and – you are able to sleep at night knowing that in all likelihood, if something really does go down that's going to harm the world, the global economy, and we all know there's many things that could, your money will be a lot safer than, than it would have been had you not implemented the Wealth Shield program. Terrific. Thanks so much. My guest has been Jim Woods. He's the editor-in-large at thewealthshield.com. Uh, you can go there and find out more about his new book, which is called The Wealth Shield, How to Invest and Protect Your Money from Another Stock Market Crash, Financial Crisis, or Global Economic Collapse. And you can certainly see how well diversified he would have your portfolio together. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Jim. Thank you very much, Jordan. I appreciate it. Okay, very good. Thanks so much. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.